It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. You're listening to Screen Heroes on the Heroes Podcast Network. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Screen Heroes. This is episode 199. This week, we are discussing bad movie reviews. It's our ongoing segment. And uh, our movie this week is The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen from 2003. I am Derek, your regular host. I have my two other regular hosts with me, Ryan. Hi. And Ray. What's up, dudes? What's up? Uh, Of course, we are Screen Heroes on the Heroes Podcast Network, and we're going to talk about some movie and entertainment news before we move on to the main topic this week. First up, uh, we'll get the little things out of the way before we talk about the cooler stuff. Um, So another streaming service. We talked briefly about Peacock, NBC's streaming service that's coming this summer. Uh, if you are an Xfinity customer, then you actually will begin getting access to Peacock starting this week, starting April 15th. It is rolling out to Xfinity customers through the end of the month. And um, it looks like right now they really primarily have just classic content. Uh, they have a really nice key art image. It shows Amy Poehler from Parks and Rec. And, uh, you know, they've got uh, House and Frasier. Um, and so that they're really focusing on their, their previous content. So if you're an Xfinity customer, you'll get to check that out. Um, it is one of the cheaper streaming services. So basically it's got two tiers. It has an ad supported tier, which will be $4.99 a month, but the premium version of it will be $9.99 a month. It will not have ads. And on top of that, it will also include, um, exclusive next day access to currently airing shows that's via the Polygon article. Um, so I guess that um, would be like what you'd expect on something like Hulu. Um, I don't know how they're going to handle that for most of their content, but Poly- the Polygon article listed shows like Law & Order SVU, Blind Spot, and Chicago PD. Um, if you're an Xfinity customer, you will get Peacock Premium for free uh, for at least some time period. I don't know. Um, do either of you guys have any interest in this streaming service? 
Not really, no. Uh, it's weird that they list Blind Spot because I'm pretty sure that's also on Hulu right now. Yeah, right uh, now everything NBC owns is on Hulu. So not entirely sure what this is going to do. Now, if they take all that stuff, then maybe I'd consider it. But there's getting to be too many for me to keep up with. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely right. Everything is on Hulu. Like we watch um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, for example, on Hulu. Uh, I don't know if that means these shows will soon not be on Hulu. Um, that that would, of course, be disappointing. And they don't really have a lot of original content lined up that's particularly exciting. Um, and for those who are in, uh, curious, The Office will not be available at launch. I'm not sure when it will be available, but it will not be available at launch. So. You know, isn't it, it January 2021 that Netflix loses the license? Is that that seems reasonable? I, I, I thought don't. I remember reading that somewhere. Okay, so yeah, so I mean, if you want to use it for six months, um, you know, the office won't be there. But it, uh, there's lots of other content. I just, to your guys's point, I don't. It doesn't really have anything unique um, to it. You know, whereas like DC Universe is a separate service with a separate fee, but at least you can't watch, you know. Doom Patrol and Titans and Swamp Thing and Harlequin and uh, Young Justice. You know, at least there's some content that's unique to it. Um, you know, CBS has the the Star Trek shows, for example. Um, this doesn't really have anything that jumps out at me. Right. So. Yeah, same here. Okay. Uh, so next up then on the list of news is uh, Netflix related. So still in the streaming world, Netflix has striked a deal with Boom Studios, uh, which is a comic book publisher. Um, and they, uh, Boom Studios is responsible for things like Something is Killing the Children, Mouse Guard, Lumberjanes, a few other projects. Um, and basically that's uh, it's a new deal. Um, 20th Century Fox actually bought a non-controlling stake in Boom back in 2017, which is kind of interesting. So I guess that's owned by Disney now. I Seems like it. Um, you know, uh, they, so like the Mouse Guard movie that, that was greenlit last year, you know, would, would fall under this deal, for example. Um, now, I, I assume that some of that's going to be adjusted a bit with, with Disney being part of it now. Um, but there you go. Um, do you guys have any thoughts on that? I have some mild interest in a lot of those comics things that I just never really had the time to pick up. So I'd be interested to see what they do with an adaptation and how it goes over well with the public. But I mean, I don't really know too much about Boom. I haven't collected comics in quite a few years. So I can't really say one way or another if I'm going to be gung-ho about it or not. <laughs> Mouse Guard would be cool. I was excited when they announced that movie. I think it kind of got put on ice, but, um, mm -hmm. you know, it was a cool idea. I don't really know anything about any of the properties. So, I mean, I'm open to it. There's been a lot of other properties on Netflix that I'm not familiar with that I've really enjoyed. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, then we'll move on to Disney news. So the first one's kind of funny before we dive into the topic I'm sure we all really want to talk about. And this has to do with a Disney Plus 
situation. So Disney Plus, of course, is Disney's new streaming service. Uh, that's going to be the home to anything that's really family appropriate. And this also includes the MCU and Star Wars, National Geographic and Pixar. But um, some of their older stuff sometimes has questionable things. We talked a lot about this a few weeks ago as it pertains to things that might be deemed offensive for racial reasons. Uh, but this one's a little funnier. So there is an old movie from 1984 called Splash. You guys remember Tom Hanks and Splash? We've I talked do- about it recently on the podcast, I think. I watched this movie so many times as a kid. I loved it. I did too. Yeah, it was a it was a good one. And young Tom Hanks, you know, it's yeah, yeah it's it was a solid movie. It never really got as much traction. Right. I've never seen it. <laughs> Is that why you're asking us if we remember it? Because you don't. I remember that it exists. I've seen clips oh, okay. from it, of course, you know, and I know of it. Um, but what's really kind of funny about it is there's a butt in the movie. It's Daryl Hannah's butt. And Disney has decided that that is inappropriate for Disney Plus, and they've decided to censor it. And rather than do a general censoring of just blurring it out like you would do on a modern television show today on on cable, um, or uh, putting, say, like underwear on her like they did for Dr. Manhattan and Watchmen, they decided to digitally lengthen her hair so that it goes from her back and covers her butt. And it looks terrible. <laughs> it doesn't actually look like it. they lengthened her hair. It looks like her butt sprouted fur. <laughs> like somebody put a 1970s shag carpet over the entirety of her butt. That's basically what it looks like. You know, I forgot about that plot point in the movie, but it totally makes sense now. Mermaids do that all the time. Grow fur on their butts? <laughs> yeah, totally. Wow. Especially when they're on land. That's little known mermaid facts from Rachel. Yep. I think what bothers yeah, me know. the most, what bothers me the most here is that Disney now has Lucasfilm at their disposal who are famous for just putting random crap on the screens in the special editions of the Star Wars trilogy. I don't know why they didn't get these guys to help out here and put like a rock or something have you know, in front of her just to kind of block her out. I don't know. It just, it's really poorly done. Yeah, yeah laughably so. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to check that out there are some articles floating around if you don't feel like watching the whole film cnn for example has uh has one that i'm i'm looking at here where people have pulled the clip out or you can just watch splash if you're feeling for some tom hanks so it's a good movie you won't be disappointed it's silly and fun and it's a cute rom-com from the 80s classic eugene levy too right so good All right, so on to the big fish this week. The big fish this week has to do with Marvel and the MCU. So there has been, of course, a greenlit Doctor Strange 2, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, and they have had trouble locking down a director, but we finally have one. Ryan, who's the director? Sam Raimi, the rumored one. We we talked about it, I don't know month ago or two months ago when the rumor kind of broke but yeah so yeah sam raimi the the man behind the original spider-man trilogy and uh you know evil Evil dead Dead. darkness um many many other films that i really love um and he is going to be helming 
Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Guys, opinions, thoughts, what do you want to see? So first and foremost, I feel really bad for Scott Derrickson, who was the original director. I really don't like that Marvel has a history of creative differences with all these fantastic directors. However, I don't feel too bad because Doctor Strange kind of bordered on mediocre origin stories. And other than the um, rage quitting Dormammu at the end, most of it was pretty formulaic. So Sam Raimi is not a formulaic director. He's going to bring some really unique things to the screen. And if this is truly going to be a horror movie, well, Sam Raimi's awesome at horror. Like, Drag Me to Hell was one of the best horror films I've ever seen. So I think he's got this in the bag. To your point, Rachel, about uh, Scott Derrickson feeling bad for him, you shouldn't feel too bad. Apparently, like, he's taking over some movie that Sam Raimi was attached to. <laughs> so I feel like there was some sort of trade negotiation in there. But uh, he, he's doing okay for himself. But, yeah, it's, it is, you know, it is sad when a director that kind of put a lot of work into a property mm-hmm. has creative differences. But in this case, it's, I think it's for the better. Um, you know, we all are fans of the Evil Dead movies, at least one or two of them. Um, you know, and the original Spider-Man movies, uh, the, the two of those movies are the, some of the best comic book movies that have ever been made. Um, one is a fantastic uh, lesson in self-sabotage. One is a fantastic lesson of how a director will fuck you over if you try <laughs> and make them put villains in your movie that you don't want to be in there. Um, but I mean, if you, if you, they give him free reign, then I think it could easily be, we talked about this a little bit earlier, we, it could easily be a top five MCU movie. Mm -hmm. I'm worried that they won't. I mean, Taika got, got a good amount of free reign, but he was still roped in, you know, by the constraints of being in the MCU and same with, uh, James Gunn, although he had less because his constraints were, he was, he was on the, you know, galaxy level rather than an earth level, but. Um, well, my hope would be that Sam Raimi learned a lot from Spider-Man 3 and, you know, probably has different conversations now when he's approached by a studio to, uh, or, or is in talks with a studio to do a project. And I mean, yeah, you can't do an MCU project and ignore that cinematic universe. You know, there's, there's some rules you have to follow, but I would imagine he's given a lot of freedom compared to most directors in this case and you know his background with marvel and the eye that he has for the the, you know like the spider-man 2 style alone is just fantastic it's it is comic booky but it's it's really strong and powerful and fun and lighthearted at times but really emotional at others and um still one of my favorite comic book movies ever is spider-man 2 and if he's able to bring what he had then but now, you know, with 15 years more experience under his belt, you know, I, I'm really excited about it. The only thing that makes me nervous is I don't think he's really done a movie or a good movie since what, like 2013? Isn't that when, was that when Drag Me to Hell came out? Yeah, it's been a while. Is that really the last thing he did? I mean, that's the last thing of note that he did. I, uh, I mean, I'm sure he's worked on other smaller projects too, but it's, uh, it makes me a little nervous that's that's fair um i guess i hadn't realized how long it had been um 
since he had he had done something of note. I'm just pulling up his IMDb real quick just to see if just in case we're forgetting something that he well, did. The biggest thing about this, of course, is our favorite uh, chainsaw wielding dum hmm. dum is going to be in the MCU. Well, not Ash, but Bruce Campbell is going to be in the MCU pretty much guaranteed mm-hmm. because Sam Raimi likes and his brother uh, also probably going to be in the MCU. So that's kind of cool. So yeah, so from a director, uh, from a writer perspective, you know, he he did the Evil Dead film and the TV show, but that's pretty much it since since Drag Me to Hell from a, a writing perspective. From a director perspective, um, it's been a minute. It's yeah, he did the he did Oz Great and Powerful the uh, in 2013. Yeah. That was not good. Yeah, I, I yeah, um, that movie feels older than it is. I'm hoping he's not like uh, pulling a Tim Burton here, where like his movies steadily get worse and worse. But <laughs> I think this is right in his wheelhouse. It's funny the interview where where he like confirms this whole thing. He he says that Doctor Strange is like his fifth most favorite hero. So it's like okay, well, I'm glad you're so enthusiastic about it, you know. But whatever, it, it'll be good. I'm sure it's right up his alley. Anything else, guys, you want to touch on for the news portion of today's episode? I don't think so. COVID still sucks, still ruining people's lives, so that's cool. And podcasts. Yeah, Ryan and I are considered essential employees, so we're exposed on a daily basis. And you don't want me exposing myself. Mm. Well, I believe somebody in chat probably does, one or two people. at least one. (laughs) <laughs> probably well that that's a good time to plug that we do this live on facebook now uh we have a facebook group facebook.com slash screen hero uh, groups slash screen heroes and uh, we have an event for each episode and if you join our event you can watch the live stream of this and chat with us so thank you to those who are watching this live or have watched it live before we appreciate that um, every week we get better with the comments a little a little bit yeah every week we get a little better it's it's different than twitch we did twitch for a very long time and uh with the pandemic it was just easier to switch to streaming our our uh, we do a zoom meeting to facebook was just an easier thing for us so come and join us for that uh, all right so we'll go ahead and um take a quick break and when we come back we'll be talking bad movie reviews the league of extraordinary gentlemen recently on the heroes podcast network echo station well what's the main think... what's the main planet that indoor the forest moon of indoor it's a moon so it's there's a major planet obviously that it is the forest moon of indoor is indoor the actual planet then see th- isn't that confusing <laughs> yes. is it the forest moon of the planet indoor or is it the forest moon called indoor kaiju curry house because i'm just wondering are pokemon kaiju they are pocket monsters. They are pocket monsters, Paul. They're, pocket, they're monsters, yeah, aren't they? But, they're um, just, so... They are yokai, officially. Yokai. Yeah, so, um... What's like... a yokai? Red shirts and runabouts. Something we've talked about before, and other people have, but there's, there's so much of real-life history involved with Star Trek. From Gene Roddenberry's days, his time in the military as, a, as on, on a bomber pilot, as a bomber crewman, you know, James Doohan serving... All these people and all these real life events that have impacted things, that's very realistic of political and military leaders kind of resigning in protest at a decision they can't control. Subscribe today at heroespodcast.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, 
Podcast Addict, and more. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. All right, and we are back. So let's talk bad movie reviews. This is a segment that we've had for a while now, and we've had a lot of fun with it. Ray, this movie was your pick. Do you want to tell people a little bit about the movie and why you chose it? Okay, so it came out in 2003, and... Uh, a lot like the movie is a silly fun popcorn film for sure and it's exactly what you imagine a big blockbuster from 2003 would look like however behind the scenes it was so tragically I (laughs) cursed i guess that there was no way it was going to be a good film like alan moore completely washed his hands of it and vowed never to let another adaptation of his properties uh get made and then uh afterwards if you look at these people's imdbs almost every single actor hasn't made a big movie since then sean connery quit acting altogether after this peter wilson has gone from you know headlining female actress to um you know can't small non-speaking roles in the background observer number one Stuart townsend hasn't done well shane west is kind of an outlier he played tom sawyer and then right after this, he scored like a seven-year-long job on ER. But I feel like that's kind of a fluke. Like he had that lined up. And then if he hadn't, then it would just be. And then, um, yeah, Tony Curran, like the last big thing he did was in uh, – x-men first class man in black suits like it's it's not good guys these people did not go anywhere (laughs) so like you'd think it was such a harmless blockbuster and it's not and it's it's kind of surprising because if you look at the box office it's certainly not a train wreck um so the movie had a production budget of 78 million dollars uh which is you know, pretty decent for back then. It made 66 and a half opening weekend, or I'm sorry, uh, 66 and a half domestically and 112.8 internationally. So its total is just under 180. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it, it basically it more than doubled its budget. So it's certainly not like a complete and total bomb. Um, no. um, 
you know, I'm sure it didn't do as well as people had hoped, of course, with, with someone like Sean Connery in the lead for that. Um, but it made some money. It actually opened up against, um, let's see, I lost that page. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it, didn't, it didn't do poor, I guess, is really what it comes down to. You know, um, opening weekend with the Pirates of the Caribbean. And that did not help, I'm sure. Um, Pirates of the Caribbean was our, the Curse of the Black Pearl. Yeah, the first one was in theaters, and that one pulled in $46 million. Uh, it's uh, opening weekend. So, you know, you had those two in theaters. You had Terminator 3, Legally Blonde 2, Finding Nemo, Charlie's Angels, 28 Days Later, the um, Ang Lee Hulk, the Italian job. Lots of big movies, actually. The Matrix Reloaded. These were all in theaters at the same time. Wow. Kind of impressive, actually. So, okay. Well, Ray, where do you want to start with this one? Um, do you want to well, give people some background? Uh, so basically, it's like if the Avengers were just all Victorian literary characters. It brings together Alan Quartermain and the Invisible Man, uh, Mina Harker from Dracula, uh, Dorian Gray, Tom Sawyer. Um, it is drastically different from the comics. It It's a big flashy explosion fest kind of film and the comics were not like that they were more <laughs> i guess existential heroes they didn't stop worldwide domination plots or anything like that they they helped on a smaller level so if you read the comics you're going to be sorely disappointed from this by this movie that's fair. And I, I didn't really know what it was based on. I actually had thought it was a, a novel series, like an actual book series. There um, are two graphic novels. There you go. Well, um, I guess let's, let's kick things off then with general impressions. Um, Ryan, let's start with you. What were your general overall thoughts? Before, uh, I guess, spoiler warning for the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Go ahead, Ryan. Um, I mean, I remember seeing the previews for this back when it was coming out and the premise is really cool. Um, I'm not a super literary type of guy, so I'm not very familiar with most of the characters, um, in this outside of whatever random pop culture knowledge I have of them. But, um, the idea was really cool and, um, watching it, I watched it back then, but I didn't remember back much uh, now so when I watched it back um, I was pretty disappointed in really how bad it was but there were good nuggets in there but overall it was a pretty disappointing film I think same yeah I think that that's fair I think I think some of it holds up better than I thought it would uh, but there's certainly some some glaring issues with it um, the characters are a lot of fun for for me uh for the most part anyway there's a, f a few people like i i don't know the dracula story particularly well so i actually didn't know who mina harker was um when she was first introduced ray had to, to kind of give me the rundown on that but ray where do you stand on this film good or bad uh, <laughs> i thoroughly enjoy the cheese and I also hate myself for that. <laughs> I, I'm watching it. It's not good. God, Stuart Townsend sucks so much. 
he is chewing up all the scenery and it is not good. Like, I, I have no idea how people acted around him. I would have just broken character every scene. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, I'm really glad that, so he plays Dorian Gray and I'm really yeah. glad that he turns out to be a villain. So that way it's okay that I don't like him. Well, <laughs> It, I think it must be noted here that Tom Sawyer and Dorian Gray were not comic book characters in the story. So they they didn't exist. The director, Steve Norrington, I think that's his name, um, he encouraged everybody to read the graphic novels, but Shane West and Stuart Townsend had nothing to go off of. And I don't believe either one of them had read like the adventures of Tom Sawyer and uh, the picture of Dorian Gray. So they had very little to work with here. Yeah. Tom Sawyer is just like an American soldier. That, that's his entire character. It has nothing to do with Tom Sawyer in any way. Yeah. Well, when you first run it, first see him, um, you think that like marksmanship is going to be his thing, but then turns out there's somebody else on the boat that's even better at marksmanship. And you know, like I, what, what even is his po uh, the point of him other than just being uh, another body? Well, I mean, the the narrative point is that he's the replacement for Quartermain's son. That's that's his right. whole that's his whole shtick. Um, which I'm not saying that that's a good thing, uh, but that's all that he's really there for. Because you know, Quartermain's the better marksman, and you know, um, everybody else brings something else to the party. He's just he's there to shoot his gun and then to give Quartermain something to lose, right? To, to yeah. Rectify a mistake. Rachel, maybe you can fill me in on this because I don't have any idea who Quartermain is. Like, is, uh, he, a, is he a book character? Is he somebody he is, that they yeah. made specifically for... So Quartermain is kind of a... He's an adventurer. There a lot of our modern day heroes like Indiana Jones drew heavily from Quartermain novels. There's James Bond in Quartermain. There's um, Wild West, Dirty Harry kind of stuff in Quartermain. So okay. uh, it, there's quite a few novels out there. He's an adventurer who's British, who goes to Africa and has all these like crazy adventures, but he's a fantastic marksman. That's true. And most of the stuff about Quartermain and Nemo in the movie is true to the source material, the, the original books. So um, they're my two favorite characters. Those two actors, I feel like were the best in the film. Really? Man. Yeah. Okay. Who agree, do you disagree. think? Well, I definitely agree on Nemo. I think he was he was he was great. That actor right? was great, and I don't know him from anything else. He seems like he's uh, done a lot of uh, overseas work, but not much. Yeah, in he's huge television. in Bollywood, but no, he hasn't had an American role really since this. But there, he was basically the only actor for like the first half of the film that I felt was even doing anything that remotely resembled acting. That's I mean, fair. Sean Connery just made me sad the whole time because it's like <laughs> he's supposed to be doing this action stuff, but you could tell it's like old man body and he can't really do anything when he's running. You could oh, tell that people are slowing down because they don't want to outrun him. That's probably in his contract or something. 
like everything had to be slowed down and like you are 100 percent right that fight I, scene the, the first fight scene with him and the the guys so who come to assassinate him there are so many cuts it reminded me of that joke they make about liam neeson going over that fence or whatever yeah <laughs> in like taken two or what or something oh right? god it's like, yeah it's like he goes over a fence in like six cuts it felt like that but conversely <laughs> nemo uh, they did something with him that is something that I feel like they should be doing more and they don't in martial arts movies have kind of ignored it for a long time. India is actually where martial arts started and you don't see a lot of Indian martial artists in martial arts films or, you know, any kind, I don't know. It's, it's something that I think has been neglected by uh, media in general, but um, I thought that was really cool seeing um, somebody, somebody Indian that's, really really good at martial arts mm-hmm. um and yeah they the choreography was very good i thought especially you know around the rest of the movie which was not good yeah i mean he's the only one that actually has like fighting skills because i'm sure shane west and Stuart townsend could have trained for it they were in decent enough shape to do some more stunts but their characters didn't really call for it uh peter wilson's and uh Fleming's characters were all CGI so he actually got to do some really cool choreographed scenes but unfortunately I feel like Nemo gets pushed to the back burner and serves only as the vehicle in this literally the vehicle like he brings the boat and that's it well, he actually, I was going to make the argument that he, he doesn't get to do a whole lot because he's too busy bringing everything, mm-hmm. right? He's the one who can physically fight. He's the one who has the transportation. He's the one who has the army. He's the one who has the weapons, right? Um, he brings everything to the table that is needed for this mission. I'm not really sure what anybody else offers other than i mean skinner i guess because he can be completely invisible is certainly a skill that nobody else has but other than that i I just he he could do the whole mission with just his own crew it's very likely but i don't want to sell short the fact that they made mina harker turn into a million bats like it being one sentient thing and turning yourself into a million sentient things that's kind of cool as like i don't know the practicality and real world standards but it it's not a bad superpower her character oh. was cool she wasn't i mean she wasn't a particularly great in it i thought she was better in la femme nikita and some of the other work she's done but right um in the beginning you think like she's just going to be a damsel and you know turns out that she's pretty badass in her own right and she's a scientist yes like they they didn't the fighting skills and vampire stuff yeah she's very smart so yeah i thought that was really cool no i agree with all of that i just meant that if you were to remove everybody except nemo i still think you could pull off the mission that's probably true you know what i mean he does seem the most capable of everybody and reliable for the, for the most part you know like like i said you know he just he, he just brings so much to the party and other people like she has some really cool abilities and right. you know dr jekyll and mr hyde you know you have kind of like a hulk thing going on and that's got some cool abilities as well and having the invisible man obviously has some advantages um but i don't feel like the mission required any of them to use their skill set in a way that was 
absolutely necessary. No, you're totally right. So basically you could remove Quartermaine, Sawyer, and Gray, and you still get everything accomplished. And to your point, you could even remove three more people <laughs> and get really close. Now, the one thing maybe the movie does that's smart here, and I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that this was on purpose then, is that because of that realization that Nemo could do all of this alone, but the, the whole mission's a trick to get all of their DNA. So they're all brought along for the ride, not because they're needed for the mission, but because they're needed in those locations. Right. Right. And so that's the whole point. And so it's almost like, well, Nemo doesn't need any help, but it's not about that. It's actually about the trick, right? That's the only thing that makes any sense to why all these people actually needed to get together. Mm-hmm. I think you know. part of the disappointing thing for me was the villain was just incredibly disappointing. There was, I mean, there's, I feel like good villains, you need an emotional connection with. And we've talked about that to an extent, you know, for a lot of movies on the podcast, but this one, there was no, I mean, he was just a bad guy who was bad because why not be bad? And there's nothing to care about there at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, part of it didn't work for me. So it's Moriarty, right? That's the big reveal is that M, M, M is the bad guy and M is Moriarty, but he makes some comment about how Moriarty died or something like that. And so he's, you know, this new phantom person. I had no idea what he was talking about. I'm sure it's some literary reference that I'm this beyond my understanding. Ray, do you have any idea? (laughs) Um, Well, in the Sherlock Holmes books, Sherlock and Moriarty were killed at least once (laughs) and both came back when the publisher and fans wanted more stories. So it, I think it was more just, he doesn't go by that name anymore. It's okay. it's M or it's the Phantom, which, yeah. Fair enough. I think honestly, um, my my favorite part about the movie is all the tiny Easter eggs they shove in there, and every time I watch it, I notice more and more. There's a poster in the background that's is like for a boxing match, and it says it's going to be Mr. Alan Moore versus. Mm-hmm. So that was really cool. And, uh, you know, when uh, Quartermain sees the picture of the Phantom, he says how operatic, mm-hmm. like the Phantom is supposed to be the Phantom from the opera. He makes a comment about traveling the world in 80 days, uh, like Phineas does. So there's just a lot of really cool references to other literature stuff. And I could tell that they thought they were going to get a sequel. So they were going to maybe add in some more people. And uh, to a comment earlier from somebody in chat, Jeremy, he, he said that one of the biggest flaws is that they steer too much into the dark Victorian gritty kind of thing and not enough into the steampunk. And, you know, Jules Verne, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, Nemo is definitely steampunk and around the world in 80 days is they could have leaned very heavily into that and been a really hardcore steampunk movie, which I think might have been a better film. 
Yeah, I think you make some great points. And, you know, you combine that with kind of what Ryan said at the beginning. It's like, there's some great ideas in here. There's some great concepts in here. I think there's a really good movie in here. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Somewhere. Um, but it just wasn't really executed very well. No, honestly, they needed a smarter script. The script is dumb. The The point behind the villain, there's zero motivation. And the reason why they all get together Gray being a bad guy just because his portrait's held hostage. I, I have to say, like, Picture of Dorian Gray is one of my favorite novels ever written. That's not how it works. <laughs> he he looks at that thing every day and it haunts him. And he doesn't die until he starts, like, slashing at it with a knife. So that's that's not how it happens, guys. Yeah, that was a little weird. Right? It was horrible. <laughs> like, it, it it looked worse than Raiders of the Lost Ark melting faces. Like, well, I think that that's where part of the problem comes in with the villain and with with the Moriarty reveal. It was felt kind of silly and forced for me because for me Moriarty is one of the most intelligent, complex, thoughtful villains in fiction. You know, and this was literally like hands down my least favorite interpretation of that character without question and that goes for children's stories versions and the star trek version and you know um he's just he's always you know steps ahead and the only person who can keep up with him is sherlock and in this case what makes him moriarty other than that he's somewhat proper (laughs) you know like there's just nothing about him that makes him moriarty in any way and that's that's just a huge missed opportunity when you're going to use a name that's supposed to be, to have a lot of weight. I mean, people know that name, even if they haven't read the old Sherlock Holmes stories. Yeah. It has gravitas to it. That's the word. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, I mean, there are some visuals of course that don't age particularly well in this. Uh, some things I think do look good. The car I think is gorgeous. Um, doesn't really make sense chronologically speaking but it's a really beautiful design that, that i like a lot um on the flip side you have nimoy's boat which the concept Who's? of leonard nimoy's boat yeah he has a boat in this did, you know? <laughs> did we not watch the same movie he goes along he's in the background of one scene uh it was an accident like the white van in gettysburg uh um, so the nautilus is a submarine <laughs> um nemo nemo the the sword of the ocean is a super cool concept and uh the inside of it is is really cool and gorgeous but it just it, the, the the ship itself is a little too exaggerated mm-hmm. for the world that it's in especially when they start going down the canals of venice and i appreciate that it gets stuck at some point and they can't keep going but the fact that they were able to get into venice at all just seems silly to me um and so i just think that was a little too far yeah (laughs) you're absolutely correct (laughs) any other thoughts on visuals any representations there yeah Um, uh, um 
the b- brute guy. The Hulk. Uh, yeah, Mr. The Hulk. Hyde. Mr. Hyde. Yeah. Mr. Mr. Hyde. Uh, I thought he looked like I was watching the movie and I was like, man, that looks really familiar. And it's because I've seen, I've watched a bunch of behind the scenes stuff from Steve Johnson, who's one of my favorite special effects uh, creators and artists. And I've seen the behind the scenes for the, for Mr. Hyde and that whole practical suit that they had for him. Um, and it was really cool to, I mean, cause I saw this movie back in the day, but seeing it now after having seen all the behind the scenes stuff, um, the suit translated really well. And those parts I thought held up better than the, the parts where he obviously had to switch to CGI because the suit couldn't do whatever they wanted it to do. Um, but he looked really good. Even in up close shots, it looked really good. Yeah, Hyde looked great. It's the big guy at the end yeah, who drinks he all great. the potion. But he was he, he was all CG, so mm-hmm. yeah, that, there was a huge distinct difference there. Yeah, that mm-hmm. part was not good. Um, but I, I thought I thought Hyde, Hyde was pretty well done. The transformations back and forth between Jekyll and Hyde were horrifying, and I think that was the idea. And if so, that that held up. I thought pretty well. Yeah, that was there were like there were some of the transition shots when he was transforming from uh, brute to back to human. That was seemed to be practically done too, and um, also yeah, it looked really mm-hmm. gross and cool. I completely agree. The characters of Jekyll and Hyde are pretty fascinating, as is. And I made a comment while we were watching that the original novel inspired the Hulk, and then the Hulk inspired. Uh, Alan Moore's version where Hyde is a big character in the book he is scrawny he's actually shorter than Jekyll he's um, very hairy he resembles uh, more ape-like than human and he's savage like he murders a ton of people so he's not this big brute that can be used whereas the hulk is like there's no no way around it the hulk definitely influenced this hide yeah and i think the other media has kind of done the same thing with hide Mm because i'm i'm pretty sure i remember in van helsing he was also a big brute like guy and when i think of him that's definitely what i think of as opposed to Mm -hmm. the the more uh, true to the novel Mm-hmm. So bringing it all back like 360 here, Page Master, the 1990s movie, they have a scene uh, where they visit Jekyll and Hyde's mansion. Jekyll's played by Nimoy. And he does turn into the scrawny ape-like character. Yes. And that's the only time I've ever seen it adapted like that. So and that's what I always picture as Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Mm-hmm. Hyde. Cause the page master was one of my favorite movies growing up as a kid. And so that's been ingrained in my head of what he's supposed to look like. Now in my head, it's, it's a huge mix because like I've read the books and I've read uh, the no- the graphic novel of League, and I've read the uh, or I've watched tons of different movies adapting it. So I also think of uh, the Backstreet Boys video. Everybody, Kevin, they're all monsters, and Kevin is Jekyll and Hyde. I don't recall. <laughs> That's a deep cut, Rachel. It's super deep, but the ladies out there, they know. The ladies. Um, but I mean, when you look at this group, though, talking about you know Hyde and, and his relation to Hulk, it really does kind of feel like an Avenger-esque team up, right? You've got Quartermain, who's kind of like the Captain America. 
you know, you've got an invisible man instead of the invisible woman from Fantastic Four. You know, you have the Hulk. Um, and you know, Nemo's like a combo of Iron Man and Black Panther because he has a ton of tech, but he's also a skilled fighter. I mean, he's kind of a Nick Fury, really, when you think about it. You know, he's got the whole army and he's got the big, you know, uh, helicarrier and, you know, submarine thing yeah. going on. And um, I'm just you got not- the whole situation with uh, is the Hulk or is the Hulk not going to Hulk out on the <laughs> vessel that's in the middle of somewhere where it'll cause a lot of problems? Are you telling me that the 2012 Avengers film ripped off the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? Yes. <laughs> I'm that, not saying that, but there's definitely some some parallels. That is Mark breaking Ruffalo flat out says, is this a submarine? <laughs> and yeah. then they start to fly and he's like, oh no, this is much worse. Well, and you got the Abomination versus Hulk fight in there, you know, uh-huh. the Incredible Hulk. So, I mean, yeah, yes. Definitely, it's influenced some other things. Of course, not like the only time that's ever been done. No, but no. Yeah. Whedon was like, I can do this better. <laughs> it is just kind of funny to see those parallels because it helps show that like there is a good movie in here somewhere. It's not a bad idea, you know, and they're not even bad characters. It's just it's just not written well. I, Mine you is know, Gray. Um, Gray's a bad character. <laughs> I think he could have been a good character, though. There's with only- any other actor in the role like that, that's what i'm Gilbert trying to say godfried could have oh, been God. a better actor okay <laughs> i could see nick cage doing that oh yes not you cage. know like early 2000s nick cage yes mm, Fantastic. that would have been good so ryan speaking of nick cage just as a little tangent ray has never seen any of the national treasure films neither have i <gasps> i take that back i think i've seen the first one oh my but God, i'm just not really so into national good. i'm not really in it i i don't know i love nick cage but national treasure never really captured my interest oh, i'd man, much rather go for some one. of his older stuff fair enough but i i thought you would have really liked the first one okay okay well. i do want to see that newer horror movie he did that oh, looked really gory was it last, Ma- it was like mandy. not maggie mandy 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 yeah that i do want to see that last year that yeah that looked intense <laughs> and then the one where it's coming out where he plays himself yeah i think we have to see that we have, we to, have find to review some it yeah to talk about sure. that for sure okay uh, so i'm adding something to our schedule <laughs> <laughs> in september we're gonna start a new segment called love letters and uh this first one will be to nick cage can we just call a segment despite all my rage i'm still just watching nicholas cage and then <laughs> we watch nicholas cage movies you've, you've named the episode okay perfect uh we've actually done a couple of things that might be able to slot into that mini series uh we did a tribute to mel brooks and will smith i remember and kurt russell and kurt russell yeah there you go um man yeah we've this is ex- ex- it's exciting because next week is our 200th episode together guys we're so old which is pretty amazing especially considering this isn't even the first podcast we did together so we've done a lot of podcasting together which is really cool uh is there anything else you guys want to touch on with the league of extraordinary gentlemen not at all (laughs) um I've always wanted to criticize the score. It's so bad. And uh, it definitely could have been better. I actually think if they would have used anachronistic music, like done some some current music, it could have worked out really well and had a Knight's Tale effect and been good. But they didn't, and it it didn't. So I like how um, they were so sure they were going to get a sequel 
that instead of a post credit scene, they had it before the credits where they were going to tease the resurrection of Quartermain. Yeah. You know, uh, which that's, that's, that's gutsy. That's really gutsy. Um, it's very masters of the universe of them. <laughs> I, I kept very super Mario hands. bros. <laughs> I thought his hand was going to burst out of the ground and grab the gun. I really, no, 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 no. It was, it, I mean, it was funny. Cause when I was watching it for me, it was Batman, the end of Batman v Superman. You literally oh, have like rocks and they're vibrating. It was with the Superman, it was the exact same thing. It is. It is literally, it is the exact same thing. You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. That's all I could think of watching oh it. The only God. difference is there's a gun. Yeah, no, yep. you're, you're totally right. <laughs> That's the exact same thing. I gotta that say, like, well. I am not a gun person at all and most people listening probably knows that by now but the guns in here were like super beautiful the props beautiful lever action mm-hmm. yeah is a, i love that gun yeah the props were super great like the the boat even though like the submarine was mostly cgi at times the design on it was gorgeous like the props were incredible in this well, and, and the set design was great. The interiors of the of the sub are incredible. You know, they really put a, a lot of work and effort into this movie. And I think some aspects of the film are great like that. And, you know, the, the advanced tank vehicles look super cool. And like I said about the car, it was just gorgeous. And I, Ray's I think, home, the, yeah. the huge library sitting room that he has looks great until it's all destroyed. Yeah. So like, there's just, there's so many good things that are in here that I really, it's just a missed opportunity because this could have been a very good movie. Yeah. It could have. But instead, it's a fairly enjoyable bad movie. <laughs> Hence, bad movie reviews. Hey. Right. So, okay. So next week, uh, next week is you know a big deal. Like I said, it's our 200th episode, which is very exciting. And we decided that the best way to commemorate that and to celebrate that, especially with us being remote, um, is to do a sequel to our very first ever episode. And our very first ever episode was called MCU, The Good with the Bad. Way back uh, in December of 2015, we decided to discuss the state of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the things that we liked, the things that we didn't like, uh, where we hoped it was going to go, and things of that nature. And this coming week, next week, we are going to look back at that episode, talk about, you know, maybe ideas that have changed, our opinions that are different now, where they've gone right and gone wrong since December 2015. And so if you have the time, I, uh, I urge you to go and check out that episode. Um, I hope you guys are checking it out. I probably will be way too busy for that. Yeah, well, you should check it out. Um, the audio I'm going to listen to it. Don't worry about it. Thank God. The audio quality it. is going to be a different. Obviously, we had completely different equipment. We recorded it in a completely different way. We didn't even have a live stream version of the show yet when we launched this. And so you can kind of take a step back to December 2015 uh, to, to kind of hear where things started. And that's what we're going to be doing next week is our, our sequel to that, to that episode. Um, Ray, is there anything you want to add to that? No, I just saying that a lot has changed. Of course, there was no phase three at that point, and now there is. And phase three had uh, nine, ten different movies, something like that. And so there's a lot to talk about. Of course, Marvel is under the house of the big bad mouse, and uh, there's a lot of negativity that comes with that, but a lot of positive 
uh, positivity too. So, you know, there's just more to touch on each time they make a new movie. There's more to talk about. And with that in mind, I also urge you to check out our Facebook group that I mentioned earlier because we are doing our MCU tournament. It was, uh, it's a panel that we normally do at conventions, but due to the pandemic, we decided to do these digitally. So if you go to the Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash screen heroes, you can vote in our polls and we're doing these uh, matchups. Two movies in the MCU go up against each other. We're putting a, mm -hmm. a new one out every other day. So basically have 48 hours before the next one comes up. And um, few people have asked me how the seeds are. Well, what I did was I got the ratings, uh, the critics ratings from Rotten Tomatoes. I put them in order. If there was a tie, like two were at 95 or 85 or something, then I went to Metacritic and that's how I kind of broke the tie. So um, the lower seeds have lower scores, of course. Nothing in the MCU is below a 50% which may be surprising to some people, but at, on the other end of the spectrum, it's, it's not. And Marvel puts out quality content most of the time. So that's, that's how things are arranged. That's why we have in the very first round of things some mismatched, but that's how it goes in, you know, the March Madness bracket too. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. The top seed gets the bottom seed, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, we'll have brackets available for you to download so you can kind of plan out your own bracket and see how yours shapes up to the group as a whole. Um, and we'll probably post uh, some, very, uh, some updates to those brackets as we finish rounds as well so you can stay up to date on where things are. So please check that out. We post all the time in there. You can post about any movies and TV type things that are going on, uh, news articles, memes, discussions and polls. We do it all out there. It's really a great place to talk to people, especially when we can't see anybody. Um, so definitely join us out there on Facebook. Uh, if you don't want to do that, you can talk to us on Twitter at Screen Heroes Pod. And if you want to support the show uh, outside of just liking and following us on, on social media, we do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash heroes podcasts. And if you join and become a patron, you can get ad-free versions of all of the shows on the Heroes Podcast Network. And they're not only ad-free, but they're also released early, um, in some cases, even a day or two early, depending on how the recording went. Uh, so you can go and check that out. We are, of course, Screen Heroes on the Heroes Podcast Network. You can find us at heroespodcast.com um, or at Heroes Podcast on Facebook. Like I said, at Screen Heroes Pod on Twitter. We're on all of your, your podcasting apps. So go out there and subscribe. If you leave us a review on something like Apple iTunes, Apple Podcasts, let us know. We'll, we'll read it here live on the show. Uh, Ray is at Siren Ray. Yes, Ryan, I am. Ryan is at Buster Props. Mm -hmm. and I am at the Star Trek dude. Thank you all for joining us for episode 199. We hope you will join us next week for the big 200. Have a good week. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. 
Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.